Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where our weekly goal is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to life, right where we're living it day in, day out. We believe there's nothing more relevant than the Christian worldview, and there's nothing more important than understanding how Jesus makes sense of everything that's going on in our world. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to make sense of yeah. today. <laughs> Biblical oh truth is more relevant than ever <laughs> yeah. in our culture But today. before we get into that, some yeah. of you have been asking, uh, hey, how can we find this podcast uh, if we're not available at 9 o'clock? You know, we always try to, to put it up on my uh, Facebook page by 9 o'clock, uh, but you don't certainly don't have to access it at 9. Uh, you can come back. We've got it on iTunes. We've got it on Spotify. Just look up the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. You should be able to find it. And hopefully we, we're going to put a link up on our church website, elstones.org, yeah. on the, under the media section, yeah. so you can click on it. And, and we, lo it. we love to hear from you, so please make sure that you're uh, providing some good comments, uh, maybe some questions, uh, some feedback, uh, and liking it and sharing it with uh, as many people as you can just to help us spread the word. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years is that truth uh, makes sense. In other words, the when we're doing something that is in alignment with truth, it fits, it coheres, it sticks together. And um, yeah. and one, one way you know if you're not living your life on the basis of Jesus and on him being the truth is that there's inconsistencies in your worldview. Right. And, um, and we hate inconsistencies. You know, the Lord designed our minds to work in such a way that whenever something doesn't make sense or doesn't fit, we experience what a sociologist called cognitive dissonance. In other <laughs> words, we get we get stirred up on the inside. We right. we want to make things work. We want right. to make things fit. And I think we've got a couple of situations that we want to talk about today that really highlight bad worldviews. Like you, uh, you don't have to to look very far to see when something's not working or when something's inconsistent or or how about this when something is hypocritical. In other words, we say one thing, but then our behaviors do just the opposite. Yeah. Those are signs that whatever it is you're pushing ain't working and it doesn't fit reality, which leads us to the state of Chaz. Yeah. <laughs> what is Chaz, Andrew? Explain uh, to our uh, listeners uh, who might not be familiar. Yeah, I mean, there's an acronym for the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Capitol uh, Hill, which is an area in, in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Autonomous Zone, which means these this group of protesters have basically taken over a six square block part of the city. Right. And they have conformed it to their image, to their political policies, their their value, the ideals. Okay. So, so it's like it's like a little mini utopia that they're trying to create. <laughs> the um, mini city within a city. A city within a city. Yeah. It's an experiment. And really th this is a perfect you know, a perfect a test tube uh, experiment for us to look at today as yeah. far as worldview, because I, they're trying to create a right. a, a, a society mm -hmm. based on a lot of their uh, ideologies, what, and, what they learned in college right. at our like, public universities these days. I, I, uh, I thought it was a, it's a great example because people always have ideas and people love to protest and have different you know, throw different things out there, but rarely do we have an opportunity to actually apply those ideals to real life and see how it fits. So here's an opportunity for us to see. So here we've got a bunch of people. The mayor stood back. They said, we want the police out of there. Yep. They took over the police department. Yep. No more police. We don't want police. We're just going to live. It's a typical utopian dream. We're going to live happily ever after. And and so our job today, Pastor Andrew and myself, we, we want to kind of look at this 
this from a Christian worldview perspective and pull out some principles here for us. First of all, when you hear this name, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, uh, the hair on the back of our necks as Christians should start to stand up yeah. because that word autonomous basically means uh, uh, without law. All right. That's that's the literal meaning of, of autonomous without law, without authority. And from a Christian worldview perspective, that, that that place does not exist. This is a God created universe. All authority on earth is delegated authority. It is God-derived authority. But there's no place you can go on planet earth where there's anything good happening and not, first of all, find some form of authority there because authority brings structure, it brings yeah. peace, it brings order. And to have a place where nobody, or where they're attempting anyway, they have yeah. nobody in charge, that's a recipe uh, for disaster. Yeah, it refers to what we talked about last week in our podcast, which is if you believe in the original sin, the sin is in man, man is inherently in our hearts, not from external, like inherently in our hearts. The worm in the apple, right? eating its way out. We have sin in our hearts, then you need accountability, you need check and balances, you need type of long order to keep sin at, at bay. Um, that's the recipe for a good building, uh, growing community thriving community. And if there isn't something outside of us or or a power within us, we talk about the power of the gospel to change yep. human hearts yep. and to change the way we live and to cause us to treat one another properly. Yep. Um, but here's what's happening, okay? So they have a collective land ownership, so nobody owns the land. Mm -hmm. Well, as we all know, historically, that is a form of cultural Marxism, sure. that the state owns it, or in this situation, that we're just going to live off the land, almost a Native American uh, kind of uh, approach to the land. Uh, it's not only, it's a collective. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're all going to just share and do what's best for the people. But as soon as you start using this language of like best for the people, that's when you start getting into some problems with definitions because what you think might be best for you or your people, right. what I think might be best for me and my people are two different things. And so what we're seeing here is there's being some attempts made to figure out what does this structure look like. Right. What is the hierarchy, the leadership uh, structure? Hierarchy, in other because, words. <laughs> because decision has to be made. Boundaries have to be made because it conforms to real life. In real life, there needs to be boundaries and 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 hierarchy and structure and order. So who's going to make that decision? Uh, and there we have it again. Yeah. The big who. Uh, and the question is, somebody mm. will emerge. And I, I'm looking in this article here. It says competing factions have emerged within Chaz and are now engaged in a struggle to represent the movement. So right. now what turned out to be a peaceful, let's all get together and have a big love fest right. with nobody in charge. Well, let me, let me quote what happened in this article. Yep. When they asked the audience, what's the structure? How are we going to achieve some sort of communal hierarchy that we're all comfortable with? The audience booed and insisted the movement <laughs> should remain horizontal and leaderless. Okay, horizontal and leaderless. Uh, try that in any arena of life, um, to be horizontal and leaderless. Um, leadership is something God has established all throughout the scriptures. Uh, leadership is not bad. Leadership is actually good when it exists to serve people and yeah. to honor God and to serve people. The problem is when we don't honor God, first of all, and when we stop serve, using our leadership to right. serve people right. and we abuse our leadership. Right. But the, the, the solution isn't no leadership. Right. There's a difference between uh, reforming or accountability for bad leadership versus 
anarchy and everyone, every man to themselves. And know? so, yeah, absolutely. And you've seen this before. Uh, you, you've been, yeah, and we both have been involved in higher education. You've had to do some group projects, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what happens when you get together for your group project and you just go, okay, well, we have a paper due in six right. weeks and it's worth, right. you know, half of our grade. Um, but hey, no one's going to be in charge. Let's just, you know, you do what you yeah. want. I'll do what I want. We'll all come back together in six weeks and see how we do. Yeah. I mean, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Right. And so when anytime you have a leadership vacuum, somebody's going to step into that leadership role. Right. And so enter. Well, the leadership <laughs> vacuum in this case is violence, yeah. crime and violence. Again, yeah. we talk about the sin of man, because inevitably that's what that's what's going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. They were there was a, 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 a incident when someone was burning a building or stealing for someone. Well, well, I heard a story where there was a dumpster on fire, uh -huh. and they called the police, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, they called the the fire department. Right. The problem is. There is no fire department in, in Chess, all right? They got rid of all that stuff. Sure. That's all part of the capitalistic, hierarchical, evil society that they're trying to get rid of. Sure. So there is no fire department. Uh, we've heard stories already of rape and violence, um, sure. people calling the police. Guess what? There is no police. But here's the good news. We have a warlord named Raz Simone, or Simon. I can't. I don't know how he pronounces mm -hmm. his name, but they call him the warlord. He is a revolving leader of a revolving group of vigilantes who have forcibly removed conservative journalists and activists. Uh, those voices, I guess, are not part of the love fest. Um, and uh, also, uh, in another case, a masked Antifa partisan confronted a Christian street preacher choking him unconscious, and then dragging him through the streets. So what we're having here, uh, ironically, and, and back to, back to the, uh, the warlord, mm -hmm. the warlord who is against capitalism made over a million dollars as a rapper, uh, taking advantage of the bad capitalistic society in America, which actually allows people to create wealth and, and uh, an opportunity. So we have a warlord rapper who made his money in America who is now... Uh, evidently choking people out and dragging them through the streets to maintain order. But anyway, right. that's the beauty of uh, of utopianistic dreams. Well, before we continue, I want to give yeah. credit to Christopher Rufo. Uh, he's the guy who wrote this article, um, which we're, we're, we're assuming that he's had an inside scoop on the situation. But, you know, even the Seattle police chief, Carmen Best, has suggested that uh, serious crime may be occurring and, have, and the officer have not been able to respond. So inevitably... Violence happens, burning, looting, whatever happens, local business. In that case, who's going to fill that leadership yeah. and, void? And we know who fills the leadership void. Whoever has the most power. Yeah. Whoever has the biggest stick, whoever has the most powerful guns, whoever has right. the most money. Right. And so what's, what's uh, sad about this experiment is it's not really moving anything forward. It's just exposing... Uh, the problems with a worldview that doesn't conform to reality. Uh, and that's exactly what's taking well, place. Well, this guy, uh, Christopher Rufo, he said something else interesting. He said, in the, end, in the end, activists may be more comfortable in the role of revolutionaries than that of state building. Yeah. And it, this is interesting to me because it's always easy to, to tell you what the problem is. Sure. It's much, much harder to actually uh, implement your ideas to actually become problem solvers. Sure. Everybody's an armchair quarterback. Sure, sure. It's easy to talk about what you need to do sitting in your in your lazy boy recliner. Right. Um, but and this is for everybody. This is for the left or the right, for everybody. I oh, just yeah. think in general, you know, that's a tough situation. So, you know, who rolls up the sleeve and actually do the hard work, you know, that's that's the tough 
Thing and the purpose do. of a worldview is to provide us with a vision. They've been called meta-narratives. In other words, a worldview gives you a story of a preferred future that yeah. should fit reality. Now, the problem with most of these revolutionaries is they're good at burning things down and they're yeah. good at destruction, but they're lousy at building anything. And we've seen yeah. this in the, you know, we were in Cambodia with, with Pol Pot, you know, and Marion and I were reading about the history of how these Marxist revolutionaries came in and just started slaughtering people and yeah. burning down buildings. And Marion's question was, why are you doing this? What are you trying to accomplish? But that's right. the, really the nature of a demonic agenda is Satan doesn't build anything. Satan's a, a liar. He's a thief. He's a destroyer. And when you see movements that are lying, thieving, and destroying, you know the source of that movement. Uh, and, and I've all, often heard it said, before you move a fence or burn down a fence or knock down a fence, you probably should pause to ask who put the fence up in the first place right. and why is it there? Right. Well, we've got a lot of fences uh, in America that have been put up, boundaries, structures, uh, guidelines, the rule of law, uh, institutions uh, that have served us very, very well. Not that there hasn't been abuse because as, as we shared last week, as long as you have fallen people, there's going to be yeah. abuse. But somebody better pause and ask before we try this new experiment, which by the way, all, all these folks have done, as this article pointed out, was turn whatever they perceived to be the oppressor victim hierarchy, mm -hmm. all they did is turn it upside down. And so they're really not bringing about any kind of reconciliation or healing. All they're doing is reversing who's oppressing whom. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't solve any problems. It just creates new wounds and new pains and new situations to address. So my take is this is a disaster. I think the... Uh, uh, the wisdom has been perhaps uh, in the leadership keeping their hands off to let it run its course because it probably will cause less wow. bloodshed. Sure. But at the end of the day, this is going to be an unmitigated, unworkable disaster. Here's why. Because it's not based on reality and it's not rooted in the truth of a Christian worldview. And you and I were talking about earlier, at the end of the day, the real healing and the restoration comes in the heart. Yeah. To How do you deal? You're not dealing with these issues of the heart through these whatever organizational structures, right. the healing, the restoration, and, and and listening to each other and be able to have proper healing. Um, Jesus is our healer. He's the one who heals the wounds and the hurts and the pains of our hearts. So it, do, it doesn't yeah. mean no good. Let's put in our personal example. You coming from an Asian background, me coming from an Anglo background. I can it doesn't do me any good to stand up and say, Andrew, I repent for all the white people in the world that have ever hurt an Asian. Will you please accept our collective repentance? Mm -hmm. That sounds good at times. It, it accomplishes nothing because here's the situation. There's lots of white people that have never done anything to an Asian person. There's lots of Asian people that have never done anything to a white person. In other words, the, we, you and I don't have an issue. Right. We love each other. I don't need to repent to you or apologize to you. I just need to keep loving you. But if I hurt you, then I need to come to you as an individual and humble myself and say, will you please forgive me? And then I need to make it right. Yeah. And then you need to forgive me. Yeah. And then we can actually move on. But all of this virtue signaling and and especially in the church where we're, we're, we're being co-opted by so many messages of this sense of uh, collective guilt. You know, it, it really is not a biblical concept at all. We need to get people meeting with people, people who have hurt people repenting. We need to get hearts healed, and we need to move ahead in the kingdom. That's, that is the kingdom biblical worldview solution to this, not the virtue signaling we see happening everywhere, especially even in the church now. Yeah, I, and my concern is we're, we're so, we're so uh, interested in what we're putting on the outside. Are we actually looking to our hearts 
and actually allowing, allowing God to tr- truly process us the deep work of repentance. We're, we're so focused how we might look like from the outside and how other people might see us versus really looking inside and say, God, what are you doing in our own hearts? Yeah. So so first, like, okay, so Living Stones Church, what, what are we going to do to solve the problem of racism? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to love the people that gather every single week. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure we model Christian community. We're going to be hero makers and lift people up. And we're going to love our neighbors and our community uh, in the right here where we're planted, right in our neighborhood. We're going to model what it looks like to love people and help people and treat people as brothers and sisters in Christ or as people made in the image and likeness of God. We're going to leave and love our enemies. That's that's what we do. That's that's the practical level on how it's not some grand plan that's going to solve the problem. It's it's transform people who have been encountered by Jesus, who then live that out in real relationships on a day-to-day basis. Uh, there's no magic pill for this. It happens It happens neighbor to neighbor, neighborhood to neighborhood, yeah. city to city, state to state, et cetera. So. And, and I, this is my last contribution to this point, you know, <laughs> working with people, hurt people, and being a hurt person myself who have to work through my healing and restoration, this stuff takes so much work and time. I mean, the yeah. investment I have into a brother or to a young man or whoever who who's going through hurts and wounds and whether whatever, racism or injustice, whatever, and taking them through the process of healing and restoration is hard work. You know, it's counseling and loving them over and over and over and over and over again. Whatever, gestures is not going to solve that problem. It takes right. commitment. It takes love. It takes care. It takes, you know... Day after day after day of listening and loving them despite things and rejections. Right. And it's, it's, it's the hard work of the ministry. Let's not neglect that, you know, Absolutely. for whatever there the culture is. There is no simple magic pill. No, just, there isn't, right. You know, it, it, it's living the gospel out, and, and that, that's where we're at. So yeah. that, that, was, that was a big issue. We're still watching that. I encourage you to, to, to keep following and praying for a peaceful resolution there. Uh, but we also had some horrific news from our Supreme Court this week in the what's now called the Bostick decision. Give us, give us the overview on, uh, on what's going on with the Supreme Court. Yeah, basically, well, the over, <laughs> basic overview. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it that way. Bas- so basically, um, the issue is a Title VII, which forbids discrimination for jobs based on a bunch of- Number of things, but sex was things, Sex was included, including race and so forth. Um, but in this case, in a decision by the Supreme Court, 63, they have basically included- inc- Define sex to not just include sex, but sexual sexual orientation and gender identity. Okay, and that that is huge because yeah. back in 1964, when this was passed, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity were not even in the discussion. Right. This was a this Those weren't even terms back right. then. Right. Yeah. It wasn't even a well, concept or gender right. identity wasn't sexual orientation might have been. But so, yeah. but it wasn't right. certainly didn't mean what it meant today no, in no. people's minds, and that was not part of the legislation as right. the original intent. And my understanding was that they even have. Um, effort to try to pass sexual orientation into this bill and it didn't pass right. so it, it wasn't in the intent at all very clearly wasn't in the intent to and, pass this and, bill and we know from previous uh podcasts that in the wisdom of our founders understanding that human nature is yeah. fallen and that concentrated power produces abuses of power uh came up with this amazing idea which all comes from the bible by the way of separation of powers into the executive, judicial, and legislative branches. 
We know that the courts are not legislators. They are, they're only able to give opinions based upon law. Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to be making up the law, and they're not supposed to be creating law. They're not supposed to be expanding provisions, in this case, to take sex, meaning male and female, and turning it into now sexual orientation, gender identity. They don't have the power to do that. Uh, this belongs to our elected officials, Congress, the lawmakers, yeah, to wrestle these things out, right. to have public debate, and in fact, historically, this has been brought up before. This issue has been right. brought up in Congress, and there wasn't enough majority right. to pass any kind of changes, right. which is the way our founders intended right. it. Change should take place slowly. It should be, we should have to wrestle with this. Right. Unlike, for instance, Roe v. Wade, where right. again, it was just a fiat decision by nine elected or unelected justices who imposed their view on the entire United States. And we've, we've had a civil war on the issue of, of life, unborn yeah. life, ever since. Yeah, it has not brought unity. No. It's brought more division. And Absolutely. people complain about we're divided more than ever. I think this judicial uh, activism is a huge contributing factor because when laws are passed, first of all, you got the states, different states. And many of these, many of our states already has uh, protection for uh, gender identity, sexual orientation. But but when you have different states, different states can pass their own laws and they have their own debates and their own arguments within the state government that allows difference of opinions. Right. But when you got like California and say like Alabama, I mean, right. it might as well be two different countries. And, or and even New York and Indiana. Indiana. And you, you have a unelected judges who basically uh, just says, you know what, this is why I feel. Instead of looking at the law and say, hey, throw it back to the legislature. Let you guys have the debate. Let you guys throw it through the nuances, have compromise, have discussion. Let the nation speak because these guys are elected every two or four or six years, uh, allowing the nation to kind of have accountability for all that. You got unelected judges who are, are there for life basically making these decisions. And, so. and again, that, that was, when you look at a, a nation as big as ours, our founders never dreamed that nine people would yeah. be responsible, their views, to be imposing those views on the larger population. So this is an egregious overreach. Some of, some of the folks in the articles that we've read have likened it on the same level of judicial overreach to Roe v. Wade, which again has had disastrous consequences. Uh, and, uh, and the bigger issue, we can talk about separation of powers, uh, we can talk about how this is uh, egregious overreach of power. Um, but here, here's the other sad thing is we just literally had uh, the whole LGBTQ ideology superimposed upon American public life in a way that is going to have a chilling effect on the religious liberties of people like us who are doing this podcast to keep pulling us back to the Bible and to the truth of a biblical worldview and a biblical view of human sexuality. Because as we know, and we've argued about this before, and we've been voices of righteousness as we've been called to in our culture today, uh, those letters, LB or LGBTQ, whatever, they all have meanings behind them. And every one of those behaviors uh, scripturally, is is prohibited by the Lord Himself. It called sinful behavior, and so we we now have a radical sexual ideology forced on us by the courts. And the sad thing is, we've just now begun to see how this is going to unfold in everyday life. You know, you and I are, bo are both concerned about our, our people in the marketplace. Sure. I mean, you work with marketplace sure. guys and gals every week. Uh, this sure. is going to have a huge impact on the way Christian men and women try to run their private business. Yeah, and the implications, I mean, I read different reports, different analysis, um, but, you know, Christ Christians don't really know, or not just Christians, but just 
every lawyers, attorneys, constitutional right experts are wondering what, what about, where's the limitation of the First Amendment? Where's the First Amendment right in the mix of all of this? You know, sure. the Supreme Court basically uh, answered one question, but raised up a thousand other questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, we've been concerned about these issues. We've been fighting them locally at yeah. local city councils and things right. like that. But one of the, one of the uh, cases that was part of this was uh, a funeral home owned by a man named Harris, last name Harris, and he hired a man to work at the funeral. He's a Christian. Obviously, when, when you're in the uh, funeral home business, uh, you're dealing with people's souls. You're dealing with death of a loved one. You're dealing with funeral arrangements. You're, you're dealing with pastors and ceremonies. And, you know, it, it's very much a, a religious uh, event, all right? And, uh, and he hired a man who, after this man was hired, decided that he was no longer a man and that he was really a woman trapped in a man's body and went through the whole process of, of uh, changing his gender. So he started showing up uh, at work dressed like a woman. So now you have a biological man dressed like a woman showing up for work and, and your funeral home director boss says, you know, this is unacceptable. Um, you know, that's, I didn't hire a woman in this position. I hired you and you're a man and I don't want a man coming to work dressed like a woman. Uh, the sad thing was the Supreme Court ruled in favor of this man who's going through, um, gender transition, uh, which again, I mean, it's like, where, where do your rights as a Christian business owner, uh, start and stop when it comes to having to bend over and cater to some of this, uh, what we would consider uh, certainly unhealthy, aberrant, uh, sinful behavior uh, that now all of a sudden is you're going to be the one being sued or your business is going to be punished simply because you did not um, bend, up, bend and bow to the uh, new ideology, the new gender ideology. Uh, yeah. This is troubling. Sure. Um, and uh, and we're, we haven't even begun to see the impact of this. Also, this is troubling for women's sports. You know, Title VII was was created to protect women and and athletes and give them equal rights and opportunities. We now have men who are pretending to be women who are joining women's. Uh, you know, for instance, in Connecticut, uh, a transgender young man uh, ran in the women's uh, state turn. You know, meet and. And one, of course, he won. He's he's a man who's pretending that he is a woman. I mean, yeah. this is the kind of stuff that's going. You know, women are going to come up on the short end of the stick on this. Yeah, I I think I'm not super sure. I think Gorsuch mentioned that he's this, this case does not address the issue of, of women sports or locker room and so forth directly, directly. But it swings it. Well, it just opens the door to all the all these different conversations. Not so we just don't know. It opens the door and is highly disconcerting. But. I, again, for me, the most discouraging part is is the fact that we have we 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 work hard, you know, to 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 hopefully elect uh, Supreme Court justice who are originalists, who says, you know what, I'm going to understand judicial restraint. I'm going to understand that I am not king. I don't get to make law based on my preference. My view of reality doesn't supersede what the law says, you know. And that works from both sides, the left and the right. Judicial restraint is a good thing. And again, for a situation like this, I, I just can't, for me, the most discouraging thing is we're going down the path in which, again, human nature, we think we're the boss, we think we know better. Um, you know, Judge Kavanaugh uh, mentioned something I thought was, was super good. He says, um, the best way for judge to demonstrate that we are uh, that we are deciding cases based on the ordinary meaning of the law is to walk the walk, even in hard cases where we might prefer a different policy outcome. 
That to me is what a judge does, right? right? A Humility, judge, restraint. Humil- One of the judges said, hey, this, this is not for the purview of this court. In other words, we should not even be ruling on this. This is this is none of our business. If if we want to change the law to mean this for this right. this word sex to mean something new, that isn't even our job. And right. I appreciated at least that kind of integrity. Yeah, you might feel a certain way. You might have a strong opinion. You might think this is actually right and so forth. But again, to have it. Just, our, part of our system, the judicial restraint to say, hey, you know what, this is not, this yeah. is up. They can't change it. It's not like there's no avenue to change it. There is an avenue to change this law and there's a yeah. proper st- statute to do that. And they decide to not walk. So so in many ways, very discouraging for me, but <laughs> but you and I talked about, we have to fight against discouragement in the midst of this. We right? do. And, and I guess the other discouraging thing is, you know, we, we know as Christians, we cannot just sit out of the game politically. We have to get involved. Government, here's why we have to get involved, because government was created by God. It's one of the three institutions God gave us. Mm-hmm. And for us just to withdraw from any involvement in the political system is to basically uh, talk about a, a leadership vacuum mm-hmm. to, to give the government of our nation over to people who don't share yeah. a godly worldview. Yeah. And so we're encouraging people, get involved. And of course, you know, when you whoever you elect as president is going to most likely make uh, Supreme Court justice appointments and certainly a whole lot of federal sure. courts. And those courts are going to shape the law across America and shape policy across America. And uh, and so it's important. So you want the right president. And then you also want to control the Senate because the Senate has to confirm uh, those justices. And so, you know, people like us, we work very hard. We get people involved that share our values that, that from a public policy standpoint, uh, push uh, what we would consider uh, principles and values that line up with the Judeo-Christian worldview. And we want judges that are strict constitutionalists. We want judges that interpret the Constitution for what it says and that are not judicial activists. And then when you get these people appointed and they get in the position of power, they turn on you. And you're, you're sitting here like with Gorsuch and uh, uh, who was the other one? that John went? Roberts. Roberts. You know, you're, you're just scratching your head going, these were people that were appointed um, as conservative members of the bench. And now they're not leading and ruling as conservatives. That's concerning. It's it's really we talked about. It's actually discouraging. Well, for me, it's not even about conservative or liberal. For me, is judicial restraint. It goes it goes back to that word. See, right now we're in a place in which we're like, oh, you got to elect a conservative or a liberal because a conservative is going to appoint a conservative judge or a liberal or a liberal judge. Even that term, it's, it defies the whole idea of the courts. You're not conservative, you're liberal. You look at, you, you call the balls and the strikes. Do you have a liberal conservative umpire? No. You have a, um, a good umpire is an umpire who calls the balls and the strike. The law says the original intent of the law is this, crystal clear, we're going to stick with this. Not, well, I lean this way. Because, you know, even if he, as a conservative, if this guy, they made a conservative decision, but it's overreached on the conservative side, it's still, on this case, we might be a win. But in the long run, you're still judicial overreach. And next time, they're going to go in the other way. Judicial overreach, again, based on the principle of separation of power. Why separation of power? Because original sin is never good. So for me, I'm just grieved this whole situation because it's, it's people, it's just like, you got to understand, we... You're not God. We're not God. We don't have overall vision of, of what's right and wrong. We, I need to practice humility, right. you know, in the midst of this. And you have something that's very clearly uh, a precedent of what law is. And for them to go in that direction, it's just... 
So well, and it gets us back to the underlying issue of law. If if there's laws, there's a lawgiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, our lawgiver is God. The law is a reflection of His character. When God has spoken and God has revealed His 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 law and His character, who He is, and reveals reality to us, our job is to make sure that our laws line up with His laws. Yeah. And to the degree that they don't, we experience pain and suffering, and and we don't thrive as human beings. Well, I, I thought you you shared one time. There's a great example. Like it's like the laws of physics, gravity. You cannot like gravity. You cannot believe in gravity, but you're going to jump off a skyscraper. Gravity is going to get you. That's right. Whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not. Same thing with moral laws and spiritual laws and and, uh, interpersonal laws and and human nature. There are those laws, too. And whether you believe in them or not, whether you like them or not. um, So laws relating to how we we respond sexually, laws relating to... Uh, gender laws relating to marriage, to marriage and definition of marriage. What's the best way to form a good community? That's right. You, you, know? you can flaunt these laws yeah, you and you can go them. against them, but in the end, it will not end well. I've heard yeah. it said that right. it's like it's like spitting in the wind. You can spit into the wind all you want, but the end result's not going to be very pleasant. And, and when we advocate for laws based on Judeo-Christian principles, you know, for me, I'm not shoving my religion down anyone's throat. For me, is we're simply advocating that these principles best align with reality. Yes. And we can have a good debate with it. The problem is when people say, hey, stop shoving your views down my throat. I will say every law is shoving right. someone's You're view. You're shoving your view down some, my throat someone's right now. Throat. Yeah. I'm just simply saying, as a Christian, I should have a role I should have a role at the table to bring my thoughts. You guys can disagree, but don't just silence me because yeah. you don't like what I'm saying. That's for another episode. Sure. The current cancel mm. culture and yeah. how... Uh, uh, there are vast swaths of people today who are yelling That's for right. tolerance, but when it comes to actually what you just said, sitting down and really looking, having an, an honest, open-hearted discussion, uh, anybody that disagrees with their view of the world gets, right, because gets every, eaten alive. Everyone wants to preach tolerance, but true tolerance takes character, humility, love, and care for one another. Absolutely. And that that takes great character. But we were going to end on the positive note and encourage you, though, right? We were. Yeah. I think we talked about this beforehand, so your turn. Go. <laughs> what was there? No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the midst of all this crisis and all yeah, this uncertainty, yeah. you know, and it, and the, I mean, even as I'm reading these different things, you know, yeah. there's frustrations and and fear, anxiety. I'll be real, my own heart. You know, I have young kids, and what is this world coming to? You know, in the, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like you know what, God's still in control. Yes, he and is. and I can't. We we preached on last week about no offense, right? Yeah. I gotta check to make sure there's no offense in my heart towards anybody. We can get mad at we we won't mention names, but you can get mad at this political person and this judge yeah. and yeah. this activist and no. this news media outlet. It, so, and no. you know you just get angry because you see, again, the stupidity, the the inconsistency, the hypocrisy, and you see what the you know what the fruit's gonna be. Yeah, but I'm I'm refusing to be victimized by any of this. I'm refusing yeah. to let any bitterness or anger come out of my heart. I'm refusing to antagonize anyone who might share those views. I'm I'm refusing to have any type of bitterness to people who disagree with me or who says, hey, you know what you said is bogus. Okay. Sure, I, you know we gotta love people. We gotta truly yeah. care. We got we gotta be unified around a cause of respecting everyone in the like. Everyone's made image and likeness of God, regardless of their views. And, so. and I think even even you know when we talk in, in the political spectrum of rights and le- right and left, I think we've all kind of been co opted into believing that if we just get the right people elected, everything is going to turn out well. And of course that we've seen that over and over again where people 
fail us and let us down. Sure. Uh, and I hear, I think the message is this, you know, the Lord doesn't want us putting our hope or our confidence in any political system, any movement. Uh, our hope and our trust lie in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power yeah. of the gospel and the power of, of, of the true church of Jesus yeah. to bring about transformational change in not only human hearts, but in uh, reforming culture. Yeah. Uh, and, and so even, even the Lord's saying, you know what, I'm not going to let a president or a Senate or a Supreme Court um, get the glory. I'm going to get the glory. Yeah. And um, and so it, it causes us to look back to him. And for us as Christians, be on mission because we know that that Jesus is the only one big enough to solve these problems yeah. that we're and, talking about. In the about. midst of all on personal journeys, you know, are you looking to the government or some law or some even the Constitution to protect you and guard you? No, that's no. not idolatry. Exactly. You know, as good as Constitution, that's still idolatry. Yeah. Christ and my personal relationship, my personal walk with Him. See, see, in my own journey, when I hit hardships or speed bumps or difficulties or disappointments. I could say, okay, is this person or this person's fault? Or I could just say, God's taking me on. We talk right. about the divine reset. You can reset. be the victim. Or God's you can... taking me on the journey to yeah. refine me, to test me, to try me. You know, God may be doing, I think God's doing that in our churches in America today, but individually. But when we say the churches, we can make it general. Let's make it specific. Right. What right. journey, what process, what development is God taking you on personally? And yeah. when you walk faithfully through that journey, you will see victory at the other end of that, regardless of what's going on in the Supreme Court. I have no control over the Supreme Court. Right. <laughs> I have no control what's going on in Seattle, but I have control in obedience and submitting myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. Yeah. So, yep. Which leads us to this Sunday. It's Father's Day. And boy, that's we could do a whole podcast on the importance of fathers because what we need in America across the board right now is, uh, hey, our alarm. What we need is better men. Uh, we need better men in our home. We need better men in the workplace. We need better men in government. Um, we need better men everywhere. And we find that when men are strong and men are, are Christ-like and men love the way Jesus loved and men are tough the way Jesus was tough, um, we have great leadership in our nation and in our communities. And so this Sunday at Living Stones, we're going to be rolling out the red carpet for the men. We've got a great uh, gift that we'd like to give every man. We're also going to feed you on the way out of church. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we basically want to celebrate uh, real manhood in America, which is hard to find these days. All right. So come on out uh, at Living Stones. We're, we have our three services on Sunday, 830, 10 o'clock and 1130. Uh, we encourage you to come on out. It's going to be a whole lot of fun this week. Amen. 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 All right. Well, stay happy and keep your eyes on Jesus and keep connecting the dots for people and pointing people to the reality that the Christian worldview, uh, it makes the most sense and leads to the greatest life of blessing and fullness and prosperity uh, that one could ever experience. Jesus is the answer. So let's magnify Jesus this week. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time we're together. Have a great week. See you next week.